Hello, and welcome to How to Adopt and Who Should Consider It, a conversational podcast where we learn from parents who have walked this journey ahead of us and some who are still on their way. We welcome you to sit with us and listen in, and we welcome you to join the conversation. If you are an adoptive or foster parent, and even if you are coming in from the birth parent side, we would love to sit with you, share in your journey, and learn from your experiences. If you'd be willing to step up to the mic, please email us at adoptionhelps at gmail.com and someone will be in touch. Welcome back to the How to Adopt and Who Should Consider It podcast. We are in part two of a conversation with Lambert Boyd, so we'll just get right back into that. I hope you're enjoying it. I think one of the things on the preferences page, Dave, was we saw some counsel of like, um, how much do you involve extended family in the preferences pages? You know, I think, um, so I think for us, we did a, it was, it's definitely my wife and I's decision, but I think what we were given some little bit of counsel was, you know, you're not asking for us. We didn't ask our, you know, at the time parents or aunt and uncles, Hey, what do you think? Right. But we were just briefing them of, uh, here's where, here's the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were open to, you know, not necessarily criticism, I guess, but just like, hey, especially for us going um, more aggressive on the race side. Right, right. Um, and for my family, this is going to be the first grandkid. So just briefing my parents on, hey, mom and dad, your first grandchild might have a different skin color, skin color than you. Um, Good for you and guys. Think, and I think that was not that we were, you know, I think allowing them to process that with us, we'd kind of made the decision. So we weren't, Dave, I'm trying to explain it well, but it wasn't as though we wanted them to make the decision for us. It was just yeah. like, hey, we're going to let you kind of process this. Yeah. You know, just know mom, the family picture, you know, XYZ kid could be a different color. We, we, we don't know, but just know with that, that this is yeah. the direction we're going. I think they appreciated it. It was, it was new, you know, mm-hmm. to both sets of grandparents, um, but allowing them to enter into it versus just surprise we 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 you know here comes a we're now a multi-race family and you didn't even know right um, right so we we brought them in more of informing letting them listen to you know mm-hmm. we listened to them but it wasn't we didn't this is the path we were kind of going so yeah and i think that's really really wise and i want to encourage other families to do the same um if you're open to you know having a multiracial family through adoption or maybe you are a multiracial family already have those discussions with grandparents um, and those who are going to be supporting you because what you'll find, what we found, what, what my wife and I found is that we thought we were in a very open um, society and those closest to us, um, not my immediate family, but those in our communities were, um, didn't have a racist bone in their bodies. And when we entered into foster care, and they started talking about adoption, we heard comments and things were said, and we just kind of said, huh, that's interesting, right? So we kind of learned who um, to distance ourselves from for the health of our, for the health of our family and what our family would look like. And by leading in those discussions with your family, you can change the way your family thinks about interracial family or interracial adoptions um, and and a mixed family and what that looks like. And so if you, again, if you're helping people, if you're helping children, go for it right? Go for it. And, and let God lead the right kids to your family, no matter what they look like. And uh, be that change agent in your family for the good. 
um, to love people, to love people who need it the most. And if that is a if that is a brown couple looking at adopting a white baby, a white couple looking at adopting a brown baby, or any mix of the races, I say lead in loving people who need it. Good. Now, so the preferences page, all that, there's so much detail there. Uh, let's fast forward to actually being matched, right? Like talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, I think um, it felt like we complete the paperwork and our, our uh, caseworker at the time, her name is Rachel. She was life-changing for us. She said, hey, now it's hurry up and wait. Like what, yeah. Hold on. what does that mean? So we hurried up with the paperwork as much as we could get done. And then, then we went in this just like waiting period, which, I mean, we've been doing all the medical stuff. So that wasn't crazy for us to wait, but I think you and I, in this previous conversation, we were talking about, Hey, this is 30 day wait. And now it's like, I don't know what the wait period is. You know, um, we were told, Hey, it could be 12 months. It could be 24 months. It could be two months. Who, who knows? So all of a sudden we're waiting. Right. Um, and um, there was a couple different situations where I, I'd say, uh, not necessarily false starts, but mm -hmm. hey, we think there's a match. Okay, no, that it didn't. It was didn't work out. Um, in our situation with our agency, we we made a book and a video, right? Mm -hmm. So, and you're building your profile book, um, and you're being told our our case would call and tell us, hey, there's a there's a birth mother that that matches our criteria. Um, we've, we've sent your book along with seven other families, um, yeah. for her to look at. And um, the so now you're on the opposite end of the preferences page, right? Here's this expectant mom looking at you and your wife compared to another guy and his wife and, and, Ooh. and shop in the car lot. Do I want the Ford or the Chevy? Right. And I'm, 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 I'm competitive by nature. I'm like, all right, so who am I competing with? And I was like, okay, hold on. This is not, I just went <laughs> like, what do you mean we're competing with six of the families? And then, then you start questioning like, what do you think that the pictures that we put in uh, our, our profile book are, do, gosh, are they really resemble of us? And we even had this section, like, um, it's funny, like, like your hobbies and stuff. I was like, yeah. oh, well, what if she doesn't like our hobbies? Or right. she, you know, I read this kind of, I like this kind of movie, you know, I like action movies. Well, what if she's more of a romantic, romantic comedy person? <laughs> I think I'm going to leave. I don't think we're going to get the baby because I like, you know, action right. movies. Right. And so then you're just kind of, um, so then we were matched, um, for my daughter and it was pretty quick. So here it fast. So the moral of the story is all of those fears, action versus this versus political view versus all the things you put in your book. And a mom picked you. She did. And I think a mom we got picked to, you guys. That's awesome. She did. And it's fun. We got to meet her uh, for my, for my daughter. We didn't, and we got, and it was really cool to hear the things that stood out in the book. Hmm. So, um, some things that resonate. I think we got some great counsel of like, truly make a profile book that feels like you don't, you know, don't go to Pinterest and make a book, make a book that feels right. authentic. We were really told like, don't go for, go for substance over beauty. Cause I, I came with like, honey, we're gonna make the most coolest book there ever is high yeah. gloss, get the thickest car stock there is and just make it super nice. Right. Right. Kate's worker and our birth mother that selected us ended up saying like, I just love how authentic you guys were in the book. And that's why she wanted to meet with us too. But I think that really helped me. I think it goes back to the guy. Like, just let me fix it. I think I need the best book on the market because I'm competing with you. It's, it's, right. it, wasn't, it wasn't a healthy thought process, but that's where I was kind of going. Through. Right. If it's a race, we can win it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things is we're, so then as we're getting matched, Dave, I think I also saw our marriage change. And here's why, let me unpack that real quick. 
So during the infertility world, it felt like it was all on Sarah, right? Yeah. She's going to all the appointments. She's going all, she's getting all the blood work, you know, boys, I did one or two tests and I'm done. Yeah. You know, so it felt like all on her, all on her, all on her. And then when we go to the adoption piece, Dave, it felt like, man, Hey, I'm in this trial with you. Yeah. It's not good. just so every phone call, the caseworker I'm on it as well. Every kind of work that we had to do with adoption case study, write the book mm -hmm. I'm doing. It. So I think it really helped me to quote, really be in the trial with her. Although I was in the infertility, but really not really, especially in the medical, like health wise, I didn't really, I just listened and I went to an appointment here or there, but she was yeah. going to the doctor every day. I couldn't take all those days off work. So adoption felt as though, Hey, during this trial, it really changed the narrative, especially as we were getting matched. I was like, I just felt I was more involved Yeah, everything. Cause I feel like I could be part of it. Cause it's like, well, this doesn't have anything to do with medical. I don't, I'm not going to get blood work and I'm not getting a shot. Right. I get to actually sit with the caseworker. I get to get our home ready for the, for the case study. I get to um, fill out these forms with you. I get to get on the phone call on, on a conference call with this, with the caseworker, just with you. It's like, they wanted to just talk to Sarah. They want to talk to yeah. both of us. It, it really helped me. What you and I talking about earlier, this whole like guy want to fix it. It was like, man, I'm, I'm part of this trial just as much as she is. Not that yeah. I love That is such a good point, Lambert. It takes it from a you conversation to an us or a we conversation I think and us, yeah. yeah any guys who have done this or have half of an imagination our tests are you know your your blood pressure your weight and then you can let your imagination run and if it's good it's good right yep. and then you're done and everything else is um is your wife on time is her blood pressure good what are her hormone levels how what's her internal body temperature what's all these different things and it's her 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 Yep. Because you passed the one test you had to take. And that was obviously fine. Um, man, I love that. Cause, cause I felt this, I've never processed it that way, but we, we, we went through the same thing. It became a, we conversation rather than a, how can I support you conversation? Yeah. And I, I think I'll use the other word. I just felt included more in the oh, adoption good. process as the dad, you know, yeah. husband slash going to be dad. I just felt included where you know, I mean, the nurse would call me if Sarah didn't answer her phone, but she didn't really want to talk to me. She wanted to talk to Sarah about her latest blood work and next, hey, when's your next appointment? And make yep. sure you do these things before our next appointment. And mm -hmm. I would just hear like the backstories of it. But I think all of a sudden I was like, man, we are in this trial. To we were in the trial together. But it just, if I, I feel like, and the guy's like, man, I, I think I have a seat at the table too. It just helped me to yeah. understand, relate, sympathize, uh, be energized. All that helped me to go, can, you know, our trials multiple years now. Yeah. It felt like it was, quasi energizing for me to be like a seat at the table per se. Does that make sense? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, back to the match here comes for our situation. Um, Dave, we were probably, uh, 12 months in mm -hmm. and for us, I think one thing with through that 12 months, I think here's another, um, you and I talked earlier about a, a quote pro tip. I think one thing that really helped us during that time period was, um, we just did things like once a month, our caseworker did a great job of saying, Hey, don't get, as you get close to matching, don't go spend 2000 bucks and get, build a whole nursery in one month. Right. But take your time. And I think I learned a lot from that time period. Like a woman that's pregnant by biologically, the clock's ticking, right? Nine months, eight months, right, right. All your way down. And for our world, it's like, there wasn't really a clock ticking and you did, you just didn't know. Yeah. Our, our, our caseworker said, Hey, look, one month, go get the stroller. That's it. Next month. So a little bit of keeping you busy, right? Next month, paint the nursery. Month after that, maybe go get the crib. You know, so I think it helped Sarah that, that 
and both of us that we see progress because I think it was like okay we got our paperwork in we're I think we're getting matched but what are we yeah. doing and there's also for the woman's side there's that you know you hear the term like she needs to start nesting right I think, so we didn't want to like we didn't need the nursery perfect and we were sitting to wait for another 11 months so it right. helped us to kind of stay busy but also not get too far not get too ahead of ourselves yeah so we, that was good. really good counsel because I think in part of me want to just go to get it all fixed but we, we did space that out we even had to see we saw a little bit of counsel like do we have a baby shower i don't know do we yeah what, what am i allowed to do i have permission to have a baby shower you know i'm not a there's still the you know on your first adoption it's like you know are we real parents you know the yeah. air quotes there yes you have permission to do all those things and i love that you got some advice to build your nursery and your home slowly as, mm -hmm. as if Sarah was, uh, you know, growing a baby in her womb over nine months, because, you know, best case scenario in an adoption, you get placed in the first month. Guess what? Your community is going to be excited. Your neighbors, your friends, your church family, your coworkers, you're going to have everything you need in a week. Right. But if you do end up waiting, like my, my, my buddy, he and his wife waited two years for their last placement. You need something in those two years to keep you from going crazy. So oh, maybe yeah. don't have all the answers. And don't, don't have to walk by a finished nursery every day as you mm -hmm. walk from your bedroom or to your bedroom, seeing that finished nursery. That's tough. That, that's heavy. And our, our social worker, she gave us the homework each month. Hey, mm -hmm. this, and so I think it was helpful. Of like, hey, uh, Rachel, what should we do this month? Go get the crib. Well, uh, anything else? Nope, just go get the crib. So I think it helped to have, we had a great, like I keep talking about how great she is, but to help Sarah hear Mm -hmm. here's the progress we're making towards you being a mommy, you know? Yeah. So, so how long, so from when you went to that conference, uh, and then till you uh, you brought your daughter home, uh, how long was that process? I'd say, uh, about 16 months. It took us about four months, honestly, to get all the paperwork done, casework, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then about 12 months while we, until we were matched. Okay. That's actually not bad. And, and I think families listening should have a, a realistic understanding that it takes some time. It takes some time to bring a child home and that's okay. In my, which we can talk about later, but my son, he was adopted as well. And it was longer than that. So okay. uh, my son took a little bit longer. Um, so, and we were told it was a full gamut, you know, and we were told, Hey, that's at the time that was about average okay. um, wait time. So, yeah. Okay. Good for you guys. Um, now I know you could probably talk for four hours straight on this, but let's, let's talk about the, your daughter being born and, uh, you all meeting her and then bringing her home and that process. Okay. So here we go. So, um, it been quite a little bit. We're at month number 11. We had a couple, like I said earlier, a couple matches that, um, didn't work out. Um, uh, the birth mother chose another, another family, which is kind of hard, but, and then here we are month of 12 Friday night, once again, kind of mopey story, you know, just kind of sitting there by ourselves, watching a movie phone rings around nine o'clock at night from our caseworker, not normal. We normally had kind of scheduled check-ins Friday night. She says, Hey, um, you know, birth mother selected you and the child's being born on Monday. Are you ready? Oh, wow. So all of a sudden we go full steam into what, I mean, it was amazing. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so that Saturday we, I mean, you know, that night, I mean, it's nine o'clock and my wife's like, all right, let's go. We got to go to babies or us. We got to go to every single baby store. Yep, I mean, just yep. excitement, right. Excitement's ready to go. Um, so we had really a weekend to get ready for our like prepare. We had some families 
that adopted, they had, they were matched for about three months. Mm -hmm. We were matched for like three days. Wow. So we get the phone call on Friday. We scramble on Saturday, going to find stuff. Then on Sunday, the birth mother wants to meet us. Remember she's due one day after that. Yeah. So we drive to uh, the Metroplex area in Texas. We go have lunch with her and our caseworker. And it's a, it's unique driving there. You're like, who am I meeting for lunch here? What am I doing here? Our caseworker was really great. So we meet her, uh, we meet the birth mother. Um, you know, <laughs> it was a great lunch. It's, it was good. weird and awkward and amazing all at the same time. Yeah. Awkward good. for just the first couple of minutes, right? You're like, oh, oh, okay. And then it was weird. All of a sudden we're just, we're really connecting. You know, it sounds yeah. kind of funky, like, all right, over fajitas, you're connecting about a baby that's due the next day. Yeah. We're good, awkward, all great, great descriptors of meeting the birth parent for the first time. So then we, um, we stay in the met, actually we go home and then we come back the next day. Uh, she gives birth on a Monday and then we come back, we drive back to the, um, Metroplex. We actually go to the hospital. So our, our Mm -hmm. daughter had been delivered and in Texas at the time was a 48 hour wait period until the birth mother could sign that paperwork. So we we see her, um, and it it was awesome. I mean, I mean, tears, amazing. You know, we see uh, my daughter there. The birth mother's there. Um, you know, we're part of you know, fed her, change her diaper, that kind of thing. Then we yeah. go back home, or sorry, go wanna, back to the hospital. I want to I want to interrupt you, Lambert, yeah. because yeah. for those listening who are really asking yourselves a question like, is an adopted child a real a real family child? Like, are they real? Uh, and what you just said there was when we saw my daughter Ooh. and I want to drill down, like there is no, there is no question when you've committed to adopt. And then you see that child who all you're doing is you're waiting on a court to make something official or legal. There's no difference. That is your child. A hundred percent. I love that you called her my daughter right off the bat. Yeah. Let me hit this note too, for the guys out there. So I'm sitting there, um, and, uh, there's, you know, my, the birth mother and the uh, biological grandmother's there as well. And the biological grandmother looks at me kind of right in the, just straight in the eye. She said, Hey, uh, I need you to change the trajectory of this, of this, of this child. It's like, well, what do you mean? She said, Hey, it's been, you know, decades until there's a father figure in our family that is loving, caring, their present I'm counting on you. And then I felt like a weight, like I've never felt before in a good yeah. way. Yeah. She said, I need you to change the trajectory of this girl's life in that way. You're going to be there, right? You love yeah. Jesus. You love your family. You're going to work hard and don't leave. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you feel the weight sometimes, Hey, man, I got the weight of a new job or man, I got the weight of, you know, man, I just bought this house. I hope I can, you know, afford it. But to have this woman, you know, look at you and say, and you hear a lot of dads like, Hey, you know, be a good dad. But for someone to say, no, 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 I need you to be not just a good dad. I need you to be even more than that, right? There's yeah. not a great family history of male figures providing just amazing leadership for the family. Like, I, you got this, right? And so I look back in her eyes. I'm like, I got this. I think my knees were shaking when I was saying this to her. But I'm like, I got this. You know, it was, it was really good. Then we embrace and hug and stuff, but that was, that was, man, that, I, I'll never forget that moment of just like, whoa, like, yep, I'm ready to care for my daughter. What an awesome it. responsibility. 
Oh, totally. I mean, it, yeah. but I wouldn't, you know, that I wasn't, we all wasn't necessarily coached in that. My social worker didn't say, hey, be ready. The grammar doesn't ask you a hard question. You know, it's just kind of this like, oh, yeah. shoot, here we go. You know, so. Yeah. And you are doing that. You're showing your daughter the kind of man uh, that she's going to be with someday, hopefully, right? She's yeah. learning from you uh, what a good husband should be like. And that will change her. That will change her future. I mean, she, you are a, you are a specific spot on that family's timeline that completely changes this young girl's trajectory. That's just awesome. So fast forward a little bit, we're back at the hotel and then um, birth mother uh, signed the paperwork and we take my daughter home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, we drive back to um, central Texas at the time and yeah, we pull into our house and you know, our, like you said earlier, community. I mean, everyone was at our house. I mean, decorated family, never forget those moments. Um, yeah, all of our support network that had been with us for this entire journey was there celebrate, you know, celebrating like crazy, praying like crazy, you know, diapers everywhere. I mean, everyone had just shown so much crazy love and support for our family at the time. Yeah. Know? So, and, and you said, um, we, we gloss over this too. I think one of the scariest times for my wife and I was waiting that 48 hour period. You know, we, mm -hmm. we adopted our first child out of Florida and uh, waiting for birth mom to sign away rights and all the fears, right? Like this woman has just carried this baby for nine months. Mm -hmm. um, in, our, in my case, the birth mom had held the baby, had fed the baby a bottle, um, labored for hours and hours and hours with this child. And I just mm -hmm. knew in my heart, I knew there was no way that this mom was going to sign away her rights. Mm -hmm. And the mom signed away the rights. And for those of you families who you're going to be in that situation, you're going to be terrified but it happens thousands of times a year. I should actually, if I'm going to have a podcast, I should probably know these statistics, right? But thousands of times a year, a mom puts pen to the paper and for the good of that child, um, or maybe for another reason, but the mom signs away the rights. It happens all the time. And for those of you families who are in that situation, you're waiting, you're in the 24, 48 hour waiting period right now, waiting, have faith. And uh, it happens all the time. And that child is going to be brought home. And now your nursery, your nursery wasn't, talk to me about, you know, you, your instant family, right? Mm -hmm. So Sarah didn't carry the baby. She didn't go through the, the morning sickness and, uh, you know, the, Hey, I think I'm going into labor now, but here you find out mom's going into labor. You rush out there 48 hours later, the baby's put in your protective custody and, you know, by a judge while you wait for the pre pre placement home studies, post placement home studies, I'm sorry. And there's a baby in your family. What does that, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Oh man, I think my wife would look back on it. I would say the same thing. I'd say this just like amazing moment of we both we held the title of parents, right? Wow. We didn't yeah. think we'd ever had it, and here we go. We have a car seat in the car. We're driving home, and you know there's a little, you know, just even like um, having the little pink blanket that you know community gave to her, like like wow, that little pink blanket sitting on her because she's our child. Yeah. You know, and so that's just a tiny little example, but it just felt normal. Like, wow. Thank you. Normal. Totally. You're a dad. Yeah. It you're 30 some like, years old and you're a dad and it's normal. And it just felt like, well, yeah, here we are driving the family friendly car home with a car seat. We're driving home. And I think we get home and one, this is a, a as months pass a little bit, once we have, you know, three, four months old, Sarah's asked like, Hey, do you still are you still sad? Right. Because there's definitely this air of like depression of all yeah, the kind of yeah. just like the, after the, all the medical stuff issue that we went through and Sarah would say, and we were told this advice was 
it's gonna feel like it's it's definitely all that pain is washed away. You can still mm-hmm. remember it. Yeah. But man, holding that like six week old totally changes. And I think also it totally changes what your mind is focused on. Right. There's so much pain and suffering and sadness within that. And so for Sarah, also now in a cool way, her mind is focused on and us too, like, all right, it's feeding time, right? Okay, is it is it nap time? Is it you know, like you're you're doing yeah. mommy and daddy kind of thoughts versus yeah, yeah. thinking about case studies and and money and uh, the preferences pages and then medical stuff in vitro. You you can pull back those thoughts if you when you look back in it. I mean, you, in a cool way. Now that my kids a little bit older, like I have those thoughts, but there's getting a little bit of cobwebs around them in a in a good way, right? Like there's not yeah, as much yeah. pain because there's now so much joy because we do hold the title of uh, you know, parents per se. Yeah. Let me, let me say too, to moms listening, uh, moms to be listening, biological moms get to go through, um, labor, labor and delivery, right? It's a, it's a, a lot of women have the dream of going through labor and delivery. And I think it's more and more popular for women to try to do things naturally without any medical intervention and whether that's at home or through a birth center, um, and just an incredible amount of pain that women go through to bring a child into the world. But then it seems that when they're holding that baby, they forget that pain and mm-hmm. they want to do it again. And I want to say to you, adoptive moms and adoptive moms to be, I think you have an even better situation because um, I've seen my wife um, deliver child, uh, children with, with no medical intervention. It's incredibly painful and it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful miraculous thing to watch a woman do. But I also watched my wife um, through seasons of infertility and bring an adopted child into the home. And I think that pain was much greater, but again, holding, holding a baby makes all of that worth it. And it makes it fade into the past. So for those of you right now, just struggling and hurting with an empty home, an empty womb, it, it will be worth the wait. If you adopt a child, bring a child into your home, it will make all of that pain, number one, worth it. And secondly, like Lambert said, it makes it fade into the background. You just get to be a mom. You just get to be a dad and it makes everything fade away. It's wonderful. Yeah. I think all of a sudden you're, um, you know, you're in the mommy club. I'll use that word. Like all of a sudden yeah. Sarah's now invited to do mommy play groups or, you know, talk about, Oh, are you sleeping? I'm not sleeping. I mean, all of a sudden you're included, right? You're yeah. also included in the, yes. Like all those things. Hey, what pediatrician do you go to? What play dates do you go to? What what daycare facilities do we like? What type of format? Like all the talk that she wasn't really invited into or just felt awkward to like, I guess I listen in because I'm gonna be a mom one day. All of a sudden, bam, she's in that community, right? Yeah. And also now I'm in like the dad club. Hey yeah. man, I, hey, what do you what are you guys doing this weekend with your six-month-old? What part do you guys like to go to? Like all of a sudden you can yeah. have those conversations because it feels a little awkward when you're like, well, you're not either a parent, you're not, right? And you don't really engage in those some parents' conversation. So mm-hmm. Sarah used the word like, man, I'm part of it, right? I can talk to all these mommies. I can relate to them more because I had yes. a six-month-old yes. where early our community was, hey, let's go find other people that are struggling to get um, start their family. And we still had those friends, of course, in community, but then also in like, we added in a whole nother level of community and support network that we never had. And yeah. it was because we were parents, you know, and that you would not have had if you had not been brave enough to step into this journey of adoption. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Um, 
so talk, talk to, talk to us about your support system. So, um, I know you and Sarah go to a church, um, but those like closest to you, like you mentioned when you brought this baby home, like, boom, everything was just there, diapers, all the things you needed. Uh, what does that look like for you guys? I think it was threefold. I think immediate family, of course, was, was there. And we have a really, I'd say close and on my wife's side, very big family. So that was there. Um, I think also, uh, some coworkers a little bit for sure. Um, I think our, even within our neighborhood, but then uh, we call them small groups at our church. These are people that we're doing life with. They were, they were in the thick of us and we've been in this life group for about six, seven years. So those are the people that were getting the, you know, weekly, monthly updates of kind of where we're and all those people were there that night. And some of it was, they were there just to really just embrace us. And someone was, Hey, look, here's a hundred dollar gift card to go yeah. buy new diapers. Yeah. You know, but so I think so you guys go to a, a rather larger church, is that right? And then your small group be like, what, two or three, three or four other families that you actually hung out with on a regular basis? Correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, we would do week, uh, yeah, larger church, but then our small groups were about six, seven couples okay. um, that we would meet and I would say just do life with. Good. So yeah. um, our, our life group at the time was, I would say people with varied backgrounds. Some, most of them were a couple, I'd say similar life stage, but then- the other half of the life group were multiple laps of life in front of us. And mm -hmm. man, that was a, that was a cool God story to have ladies in Sarah's life that had already, you know, they had middle schoolers or the kids were working on the way out of, of high school and to be able to plug back into Sarah and say, Hey, it is going to be amazing when you hold that child. Let me tell you what it was like when I gave birth, but just, just relating mom talk, you know, just normalizing, you know, like, Hey, when you be a mom and not that you're an adoptive mom, Mm -hmm. That is true, but you're a mom, you know, like, yeah, and like, just not, that's not cat, like, not introduce yourself as like, hey, I'm an adoptive mom. My name's Sarah. Just like no. you don't say, I'm an adoptive, I'm a biological mom. Like, let's share our adoption story, but you're a mom first. And I think that yeah. was, and that Sarah didn't know, like, it was just really cool to have these ladies kind of walk that through with us. Yeah. And I think give her permission, right, to be a mom and yeah. welcome her into the club. Good, good for yeah. them. So, um, man, so many, so many questions in our, our times running here. Um, you've adopted now a second time. So how old is your daughter when you decided to adopt a second time? Um, we felt like one, we were like, wow, we're actually parents. Yeah. We didn't think we could actually have two kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but we felt like, gosh, that was, we love everything about our daughter and our big you know, is it, well, it's a hard experience. Like, wow, we, we're a family. Yeah. Man, would the Lord actually provide, can we do this again? Like, do you think we can? Like, are we, are we built up ready to do this? And I think we thought, so after when my, when my daughter was about um, six months old, mm -hmm. we just started really just one little thing was like, let's start setting a tiny bit of money aside okay, to get yeah. ready for the next adoption. Now we didn't, I mean, we're talking like little, little bit of, but there was a little bit of mental thing of like, I think we want to try this again. Now we didn't want to, you know, our kids would be that close in, in time, but by fast forward, my daughter's now two. And that's when we saved a little bit of money and we call the agency back. Okay. Hey, I think we're ready to do this. Can we be, mm -hmm. can we, can we come back again? And they're like, oh yeah, come back and come on, come on back. You know? And so we work with the same agency, same right. domestic infant adoption program again, and then now she's about uh, two and a half years old. And then we jump in, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, let's start paperwork. Let's start, you know, here comes that down payment. You know, here comes the financial commitment. Here comes the home study again. And then um, fast forward, the kids are pretty much almost exactly four years apart. Mm -hmm. So we wait a little bit longer for my son. 
uh, yeah, we started it, kind of jumped in at two and a half, and then he, she was four when he was born. Okay, wow, wow, that's 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 awesome. And so you started to save a little bit of money, but um, adoptions are incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so. I know many families will come to this many different ways. Uh, some will be completely broke and crowdfund the entire thing. Others will have family support. Others will have um, good jobs that help pay for it and then be able to take advantage of tax rebates and things like that. What did the fundraising process look like for um, your first and your second? Kind of the just the over, just the swap. What did that look like for you two? Man, uh, we explored a lot of things. We explored... Um, we had some, some friends that said, hey, let's do um, like a, a, an event where we'd sell jewelry and you get X proceeds of the event. You yeah, know, okay. friends. And we did that. Um, I'd say, to be honest, like, I feel like we did a lot of work and we got a donation of $60, you know, yep. like we yep. didn't sell as much jewelry as we thought. And I was looking at this huge number. I was like, that's awesome. We, here comes our little proceeds check of $62. Yeah. You know, I don't remember the exact number, but well, it like was it's both sides of your emotion. Like you're trying to be so grateful and, and, and affirm these people for helping you, but then you're staring at this number, you know, 35, 40 grand. And you're like, okay, it is, doesn't really make a it make a dent in anything like you're grateful for every five and ten and twenty dollar donation but also how in the world do we get to this astronomical number yeah and so for us we, we did a couple of those um we explored you know for people that out there that explore and there's there's actually you know there's loans that are available out there for that mm -hmm. for um, adoption expenses um we explored that a little bit we explored the tax credit you mentioned earlier that was really big and we explored that really heavily and yeah. we have taken advantage of that I think we went, uh, our church has, um, a, um, I'd say a, a grant that essentially okay. helps families that would. So I think we went into this research mode. I had no idea, uh, what was out there, but as I researched and our social worker really helped us to point us in directions, the financial resources that are available. Um, so our church helped us at some level. Um, we didn't really have family, you know, some people have family that, that, um, help with that. What we did um, we also just worked our tails off to be, to be honest too. I mean, mm -hmm. my wife was really dialing up, you know, extra hours of work. I was dialing up, I was doing everything I can to earn every extra dollars. And that's, that's why it took us some time yeah. um, to do that. But we, I mean, I think in the meantime, it's like, man, that, that dollar sign is, is big. We explored every option, but I, the mo majority of our funding, um, Dave came from us just doing everything we could to explore mm -hmm. all avenues and then just working, you know, two extra jobs to make yeah. it happen. Um, how did that impact your, um, your leisure life, right? Like, uh, did it affect where you went to dinner? How many times you went off to dinner? What did that look like in terms of personal life adjustment? Yeah. I think, it, you know, at the time for both kids, it was, um, all right, we, we're vacationing at uh, grandma's house, you know, at some level, right? We're not going yeah. to Hawaii, um, you know, or, you know, that car's eight years old. I like a new one, but you know what? I'm gonna drive it for another two, three years because yeah. I think we put, we put some stuff on pause, um, and you can, I mean, whether it be retirement savings or investing in the home, all that kind of stuff had to go to on pause because every available resource, every available leftover dollar was set aside for adoption expenses. So yeah, there was definitely a sacrifice in it, but I think at the end of the day, um, you know, you're sacrificing leisure and financial for a child. I think that felt totally different than like, Hey, you know what? I'm sacrificing, things for uh, the leather in my new truck. I mean, I, right. Okay. Right. That felt just kind of artificial. I mean, there were stuff with some seasons like, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't really want a vacation at grandma's house. I'd like to go to the beach, yeah. but you know what? I'm playing the long game here. 
not the short game. And I want to, it's, it's worth it for us not to, you know, spend X, Y, Z at the beach. Let's save that available dollar makes us to be able to adopt that much faster once we get fully funded. Yeah. So, so again, those, those listening, you know, explore the adoption tax credits. And obviously mm-hmm. that, that money only comes after you've spent money and you have to have money to spend money, but also understand, you know, when, when parents conceive naturally, um, like folks get so jealous of, um, there are significant sacrifices, if we can use that word that, that come with that too, right? Like diapers are expensive formula right now, huge, you know, global formula shortage. Um, and because of the shortage, it's expensive. And so even, you know, parents of, of biological children are putting out a ton of extra money that they hadn't planned on and sacrifices are made, you know? So I would say, don't think of yourself as um, something special. Think of yourself as mom and dad doing what it takes to care for your child. We don't know who your child is yet. We don't know when your child's going to come home, but you're doing what it takes to take care of your child. And I will plug, um, recently we were connected with the Life Bridge Foundation. That's three words, the Life Bridge. Um, they're a, a group of uh, primarily real estate investors, um, but they're Christian men and women who invest in real estate and they give uh, portions of the proceeds from that towards adoptive families. They're undergoing a name change right now to OMNA, O-M-N-A-H, and they actually uh, helped my wife and I on our, on our most recent adoption. And it was wonderful to partner with not only a group of donors who just wanted to help, but donors who shared a similar belief. Um, and, and a reason for bringing children in our home. So um, I'm really grateful for them, but also a lot of hard work, sacrifice, extra fundraising, extra work, those kind of things. Um, give us, if you would, Lambert, uh, give us a high point in uh, the adoption of either your daughter or your son, and then a low point. Uh, give us the high and the low. Um, I think for anyone that's, I'll speak for broad statement, but man, high point, bringing that child into the house, you yeah. know, crossing, crossing quote, that threshold of your home and bringing that child home. And for both of our kids, it's just like, man, you'll never forget it. Even probably for, you know, biological families when that child's, you know, yeah. out of the womb and you're holding for the first time for us, it felt real when we pull into our driveway, right? Yes. Cause look, my kids weren't born in this, in the city we lived in, but that was for sure the high point. I mean, nothing will match it. Nothing will match the, that, once again, normalize it. Like here comes child into my home, right? Like it just like this high point and everyone is celebrating like crazy. Um, That's wonderful. And was there any doubt in your mind when you're pulling into your driveway, when you, when you get out the car carrier, when you walk into the nursery or wherever you went first, was there any doubt in your mind that this was not your little girl? No, man. No. It, and because I think you just go into this like, all right, mom and dad mode. Okay, cool. Yeah. Here's nursery. Hey, look, we've got this pillow right here for you. Or not, sorry, it's an infant, but like we got here, here's the sound machine. We got this. Yep. Like, yep. You're not thinking you're like you're just going to mommy and daddy mode, right? Yeah, like, all the things. Here's the baby monitor. Here's here's we got the bottle warmers, we got the diaper changing station. You're ready to go. You're ready to go. And you're in your mind shifted for us, like all of a sudden, like mommy and daddy quote like thoughts like oh did, did we get enough sleep or did this are not us of course we weren't sleeping but like did the baby yeah. get enough sleep or did we how many ounces of formula did we drink that night like all not like did i burp you long sleep? enough are you okay all the things all these good that whether you yeah. have a biological or adoptive kid just first time parent you have all those thoughts well yeah. gosh is the temperature in the room correct oh okay you know like do we have a fan on do we not like these are good thoughts but like yeah we move into like 
yeah, this is my daughter. I'm caring for her just like we would for any, you know, if it was a biological child. Biological and adoptive parents stand next to the crib or sit next to the crib and stare at the baby and freak out because they don't know if baby's breathing or not, right? And we're staring as hard as we can at their little chest, their little belly to see it rise and fall. Okay, okay, he, she, they're breathing, right? Like, and it's, we share that. Uh, It doesn't matter if you came as a family because of adoption or biologically, we all share the fears and the joys and the excitements. Yeah. yeah. I would say a low, um, Dave, if there's a low, I would say um, maybe the early on process of feeling the isolation, mm. you know, of just yeah. the, and I'd say the duration and the isolation of, you know, I talked about during the infertility, but even in the adoption world, we didn't at the time have many friends that had done that. So it's like, okay, we, got this right you know and as as we progressed further we we met new couples but i think our immediate community mm-hmm. was not experiencing adoption so I, if that was a low point i think we felt like all right a little bit back to the you know the medical side here it is it's just us now we had people that were praying through us and thinking through but there wasn't in the early phase you know 10 families that surrounded us said hey been there done that let me yeah, walk you through yeah. that it was like I think I heard a podcast or I think I read on Google, uh, you know, this family that adopted and it worked out well. So there's a low point. It was uh, in the early phases of just like, all right, we got this by ourselves. even though our life group, even though our life group, our small group was in part of it, but there wasn't a ton of people in the early that came out of the, that we met with 10 families that said, oh yeah, here's the tried and true method. And don't worry, we've done there. And they're, they're close. We could find people, you know, you could find articles that you read, you know, but we didn't really know people personally. So I think there's yeah. a, it kind of felt like, oh shoot, we're back to our isolation situation like yeah. we were on the medical side. But then all of a sudden, as we keep progressing, we meet new families, our social worker connects us to different people. And then all of a sudden that network grows where it's like, all right, we're not isolated. Look at these other families. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, there's a lot of people that have yeah. gone through the situation. So and many families. Yeah, I just didn't, we didn't know any of that stuff. So I think that was a low point, but it turned out to be, wow, there's, I think it also normalized it, Dave. I think that's, at first it kind of felt like this is awkward. I think we're the only family in central Texas that's adopting, you know, then it's like, oh, actually that's not the case. There's hundreds and hundreds of families that are adopting in central Texas. And we got, we got to meet some of those people at different situations. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. A couple of quick questions. Um, how old are your kids and how old are you and Sarah? Uh, eight and four. I am 41 and she is 40. That's awesome. And what are your kids interested in right now? What do they do? Uh, so the eight-year-old is, man, she is my, I would say, just glass half full all the time. Love her to death. She is just this chameleon. She she will go to any situation and she'll love it. So she's always glass full, you know, her... Um, I mean, always. So whether whether she wants to play Star Wars with her brother or play uh-huh. Barbie dolls or play chase or go swimming every, I mean, she says multiple times a week, best day ever. I'm like, it's Wednesday. I mean, it's a Wednesday <laughs> afternoon. Like how is really this the best day ever? And oh, I think I it's love that. so cool to like learn from her just the simple joys in life. So, I mean, she'll, you know, we'll get a snow cone, best day ever. We'll drive yeah. by Chick-fil-A, best day ever. I'm like, it's a Thursday night and we drove through Chick-fil-A, but so right. she, she just, um, always glass half full. Of course there's days and stuff, but her outlook yeah. on life is totally glass half full. Let's make the most of it. And she'll just, she'll really just do whatever, um, whatever's being presented to her. She's good. She's game for it. like, Lucy, do you want to like, 
I mean, it's just, she's up for anything, you know? Yeah. Chase, you know, our, our artwork or playing soccer. It's like, all right, let's just go do those things. So my son, uh, he's four. He is the um, ball of energy, right? So he brings, um, he's ready to go at all times. I mean, he's the kid that wakes up. My daughter will kind of ease into her morning mm-hmm. on a non-school day, right? Where my son will wake up. He's like, all right, let's go play chase. It's like, yeah. dude, it's six o'clock in the morning. We're, he's you know, ready to go. Ready to go. And I think a little bit difference in their personalities where they compliment each other, where my daughter might be a little bit, um shy at the beginning my son is a crazy extrovert like i don't think okay. my daughter will say we'll say hey um do you want to go play in your room for a little bit and she's like oh that sounds great yeah and if you tell my son hey do you want to go play in your room for a little bit he's like why would i do that i like i, I, I want to be with people like why would i want to not be with everyone in the family at all times you know yeah, so yeah. In social settings or meeting new people they, they kind of compliment each other because my daughter might be a little bit intimidated Mm-hmm. My son will be like, all right, give me the room. Let's go, let's go introduce people. So they'll kind of walk. So it's, they're very different that way. Um, but they, they, yeah, they definitely have a, a, a passion for each other. And of course they have their siblings. So there's times where they, oh, yeah. they stuff, but um, yeah, they're, they're, they're wonderful. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what's your guys' favorite thing to do as a family? You know, both my kids, if, if you've read the five love languages, that book, we've, we've kind of done that as a couple. And then we've kind of explored that with the family. And I'd say quality time is really huge for both my kids. Um, so for us, it could be, sure, it could be a trip to the beach, or it could be as simple as like, you know, taking really a picnic to the, to the, to our park. And hey, we're going to have a picnic, we're going to bring a soccer ball, we're going to go after we get in an eating, we're going to go walk through the creek, and let's maybe bring our fishing pole. And for them, it's like, just like amazing, you know? So awesome. I think I, as a new dad at the time, I think I overcomplicated like fun experiences for my kids. I feel like, well, mm-hmm. I guess we gotta go to Disney World. We gotta go to Hawaii. And I think for my kids, um, just that presence of like mom and dad are here and yeah. investing them, not financially, but investing them time-wise, you know, like, yeah. hey, mom and dad are taking me to the park. Hey, dad is my soccer coach. Hey, dad is, we're doing a fire pit in our backyard and we're having s'mores on a Sunday night. You know, I, I think I overcomplicated our, um, thought it was going to be harder than that to like bring joy to the family. Now mm-hmm. I get, mm-hmm. I get an 18 year old's probably not the one to do s'mores with her dad in the fire pit in the backyard. But I think at this particular phase, um, yeah. it's, they, they truly enjoy that kind of quality family time with each other. So. Yeah. And, and you know what? We'll figure out what works when they're 18, right? Yep. We'll do it. So I think what you just said in a nutshell is you guys are enough. You're, you're their parents and you're enough. Yep. And what I say to um, families that are looking, uh, mom and dads to be, who are looking for something to fill that void, mm. your kid will be enough. Whether it comes to you miraculously, biologically, whether it comes to yep. you miraculously through adoption or foster care, your kid will be enough. You don't need Disney world. You don't need the movies. You don't need all this stuff. The kids enough. All right. Uh, last lightning fast question. Your, your first and second adoption, are they open or closed? Um, I would use the word our, like our social worker told us semi. semi. So, and, and what that means for us is um, we write letters and send pictures through our adoption agency that then work its way to um, our birth mother. So, okay. So there's an intermediary there. There is. Okay. Okay. Good for you guys. And then last question, mom and dad are listening to this podcast right now. They don't have any children in their home yet, uh, but they are parents. They're just, we don't know how or when yet. 
what do you say to them? Ooh, um, Dave, I would use the word um, keep going. No, that's a couple words, but I would say keep going. I think there's multiple years and seasons and months where we've literally just kind of threw up the white flag. We're done. We can't do it. I think being on the flip side of this, and that's hard to say, because I think anyone would say like, hey, don't worry, it'll be good. But I can say on the flip side, man, there's a lot of, there's years and tears and money and emotions, all that kind of thing. But on the flip side, man, if you can, if you can work your way through it, right, you can, you can get to that place where I use, where I said earlier, you, you carry that baby care into the threshold of your house. Mm-hmm. Not to say here the pain doesn't entirely go away, but man, it totally changes the trajectory of like the coupling, right? The, yeah. the parents. Yeah. So I would use the word endurance. I'd say stick with it. And I would also say um, it's okay to take a break. I think for us, we needed a break. And I think sometimes it was like, and it had been like seven years straight. So we took us, there's some seasons where it took four months and five months and just didn't do anything, didn't do any paperwork, didn't do any medical stuff. And we just kind of rested. Um, and I think sometimes I felt like, oh shoot, we're going to get behind. But looking back, I was like, we needed to rest just everything, you know, whether it be a month, maybe it's just a month. We didn't do any medical stuff. We didn't take a pregnancy test. You know, we didn't call the adoption agency. You know, I think it allow yourself to rest at some level take a break where it also, it's not natural because you're like, no, 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 I got to hurry, hurry, hurry. But I would say that, but man, just the endurance to get there, to get to the finish line. It feels like this is like, a, not just a marathon. It feels like an ultra marathon for right, us. Right. It like, especially, right. you know, just feel like, but on the flip side, you know, you wouldn't change it. You look at, I, we look at both our kids like, man, the Lord had those two kids for us at that season of our life. Like we wouldn't have our two kids if we would have gotten pregnant like xyz yes yes adopted you know uh, a year earlier right like we were meant to raise these two kids this season this time frame so i think when you can have that perspective and we didn't have that for sure until the end game but i think that totally changed so i think long answer your question dave i would say stick with it endurance because it man once you're there it it, yeah it's incredible you won't and and you wouldn't trade it for the world what you have today you wouldn't trade it for the world makes it all worth it you know, for the believers out there, I think, you know, you kind of look at, man, what did this trial teach us? Right? Mm-hmm. Our marriage is stronger with, because of that. Um, our children, we, we talked to them at an age appropriate level about adoption, but we talk about, hey, this is how God shaped our family and grew our family. So there's, a, there's yeah. a whole element of that as well. Yeah, that is awesome. Man, Lambert, what a great first episode. I am so uh, blessed that you were willing to come on and share you, your story, you and Sarah's story and talk about your kiddos a little bit. And I'm thrilled that, that you're a dad and you're in the club and adoption, adoption put me in the club. So I'm a, I'm a huge advocate. If you are listening and you would like to share a story, uh, maybe you are uh, a parent who gave a child up for adoption. Maybe you adopted and uh, you guys would like to come on and talk about your story. Please email us at adoptionhelps at gmail.com, adoptionhelps at gmail.com. And just maybe your story can be the story to change another family's trajectory. 